We're talking these days about family matters, and so some of you were with us over like last night and this morning, and we talked about um, unreal marriage, and we heard from Dr. Cloud, and this whole month we're just talking about how does our family matter, and how do we build things into our lives so that our families matter more and more in this world, and so that they make an impact for Christ's sake. So uh, family matters, and then today our topic is that thing called children. Yeah, and uh, I kind of use that title, you know, it's kind of making, you know, fun of the whole situation and how challenging it is sometimes with children and that kind of stuff. I use that title a little bit lightly because you have to be careful what you say about people, otherwise, you know, what you say about people might shape people. For example, I know a, a family who, when their child was young, like three years old, they used to call their child monster. I mean, I don't mean like, hey, that monster over there. I mean, they're like, monster, come here. You know, I called him monster. And do you know how people viewed their child? Pretty much like a monster. And do you know how that child behaved? It's not too hard to figure that out, right? And I don't know which came first, the naming or the activity. You know, the naming or the behavior. And so maybe they called him monster and so he became one. Or maybe he was a monster, so they called him one. But either way, it's like, you got to be careful what you call them because they might grow into it. And so to, you know, to say that thing called children, it's like, yeah, sometimes it's a challenge. And if you're a parent, you get that. If you're a parent of anything more than like a, a one-day-old, you get it. Because, you know, if you've got a parent of a, of a two-day-old, you have um, sleep problems, you know, not to mention other things. And so anyway, we're talking about children. And the way I look at children in our lives is they, children have this amazing capacity to be the most wonderful gift God ever gave us next to Jesus. And, yeah, see, one person liked it. <laughs> and then, on the other side of that, children have the capacity to be the most confounding thing God ever gave us. And, and sometimes that can be like within a three-minute span. You know, this is fabulous. This is horrible. All right there in the same breath, you know. It's like, how does that whole thing work out? In the, in the life of a child, you see miraculously clearly the unity of a father and mother. You see it in the child. Physically, you see it. Um, sometimes psychologically, you see it. Spiritually, you see it. You see the unity of parents in the child. You see in a child the image of God. And the image of mom and dad. I mean, you, some of you are better at this than others and better, better at it than me. But some of you can, you can look at a child and you go, oh, I know who your parents are. You know, my children have worked in town here when they were in high school and, and in college. They'd work in town and, and people would show up at my daughter's store, <clears throat> his retail store where she was working. And they go, oh, you're Pastor Brad's daughter. They never met her. They're just like, oh, I see the image. That's why my children don't live here anymore. <laughs> so... And you can see the image of God in a child. And even though the the image of God has been damaged by sin, by our choices that moved us away from God, that that damaged his image in us. It, it It kind of shaded it or colored it in some bad ways. You still see the image of God in every single human being, including children, all the time. Children, there's amazing people that God gave to us. They, they bring us great joy. They can bring us great pain. They almost always do both at some point in their journey. That's just how it goes between parents and children. And there's no manual that will prepare you perfectly for this. You know, there, there are no two parents who do it the same, and there are no two parents who do it right. 
all the time. And there are no two children the same. So you might have, you know, you might be raising your second child. You got your first one kind of up and coming, and that's a three-year-old. And so they're like, okay, I got that figured out. And then God gives you a second one, and it's different. I mean, he or she is different, right? And, and it's like, well, how'd this happen? I thought I was such good, so good at this parenting thing. And then you got the second one. It's like, mm, something changed. Or, or, you know, maybe the first one was really hard on you. You know, it's like, oh, I'm never going to have another one. But then God says, yes, you are. And then this next one is like, oh, this is fabulous. This, you know, it's not so bad after all, you know? Sometimes you've heard about, like, parents, families who have, like, three children, and the first two children are, like, smooth and easy and calm, and they're obedient and compliant and all those things about children, you know, and, and they're sort of, like, experts about parenting, and then they have child number four. And all that good stuff went right out the window with child number four because that child was different. There is no manual that you will set you up to be a perfect parent. There are no perfect parents in the world. There are no perfect children in the world. And so let's just get over that part right, up, right off the bat, okay? And then let's just take some time and let's just think this through. What, what does it mean to raise children in this world? I have, I don't know if I can say I'm done yet, but I guess I'm done. I have raised children. I, I, have, I have, all my children are in their 20s. I have a 28-year-old and a 26-year-old and a 22-year-old. And so none of them are children anymore. So I'm done. Yeah, yeah not so much. Yeah, not, you know, and no one told me this. When they were in like in the toddler years and, the, and then the preteens and all that, nobody told me that parenting goes on into the 20s. They could have helped me with that. So here, I'm going to help you out. If you've got, you got little ones, it goes on after 18. You know, it's, the, the relationship is different. The role is different, but the, the, but the thing goes on, you know. So I am, I am way less confident as a parent today than I was 10 years ago and 15 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago before I first had my first one. I was really good at it then. In some ways, I'm like, I don't even want to stand up here and talk to you about this because I don't have it dialed in. I know some things that the Bible says, but how it all gets lived out in my life as a parent and in my children's life I don't have all the answers. And you can talk to my children and they will say, yeah, he didn't do it all right either. And you can talk to me and I will say, yeah, and I didn't do it all right either. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do it best. So I'm not coming to you as an expert. I'm coming to you as one who knows a little bit about what God's word says. And I want to help us together walk this through and say, how do we, how do we live as people who have responsibility to raise children in this world today? God kindly gave us a five-word guide to raising children. Or, depending on your translation of the scripture, maybe a six-word guide to raising children. It goes like this. Honor your father and mother. If you could figure that part out as a parent... Honor your father and mother, or like the New International Version, six words. Honor your father and your mother. If you could figure that out, you'll be well on your way to figuring out how do I, how do I lead my children up in the way that God wants me to raise them. Now, let's just walk this through. If you have your Bible there, I'm going to 
look only at one verse today. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Now, a little background while you're looking this up. Deuteronomy means literally second law. It's the second time Moses gave the law of God to the people of Israel. The first time was in Exodus chapter 20. And remember, the people of Israel had left Egypt. They came across the desert. They walked through the uh, Red Sea on dry land. They got out to the Sinai Peninsula. They wandered around for about a year getting to, the, to Mount Sinai. When they got there, God gave Moses the law and it included ten commandments, which he wrote on stones. Moses brought them to the people. Some things went haywire and he broke those tablets. So he went back to God and said, give me some more. God kindly gave him the commandments again. And he takes them back, and now he's got this law. Now, then the Israelites disobeyed God, and they had to wander around in the desert for 40 years. And a whole generation died off during those 40 years because of their disobedience. And now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And at the edge of the promised land, Moses says, he gets all the people together, and he says, you guys weren't here, or you were very young the last time I told you this, so let me tell it to you again. And he repeats the law. And that's Deuteronomy, second giving of the law. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he's giving the Ten Commandments again. And so here's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Moses writes, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. There's the guide for parenting. Honor your father and your mother. Now let's just kind of stop for a minute and figure out what this means. In the Ten Commandments, there are two sections. There's there's the first section, which is commandments numbers one through four. And those commandments all deal with honoring God. And then the second second section of the Ten Ten Commandments is uh, commandment five through ten, six commandments. And those commandments all deal with honoring others. Ten Commandments. So let's just stop for a minute. How many of you know all ten? In order. Can we... I I didn't say it right the first time. How many of you know the Ten Commandments in order? Oh, I did say it right the first time. Okay, let's... I'm going to change tracks. We're going to give a different talk today. Yeah, I know you're honest, so you're not breaking the ninth commandment. So that's good. Look, you guys, let me say this as kindly as I can say this. It matters that we know these. We get all bent out of shape because our world doesn't follow moral practices. They don't live a moral life, and we don't even know our own moral code that God gave to us. These are not like these high standards that we have to live up to. They're, they're basic entry requirements. They're like, this is, this is God's standard. They're not even that hard, some of them. It's like, you know, number six, I'll help you out. It's just four words. You shall not murder. I mean, you're, you're pretty much okay with that one, aren't you? But you don't... But if you don't know them, how are you going to live them out? If you don't live them out, how do you ever expect our world to live them out? I don't think it's normal for Christians not to know it. And I, you know, I don't say that to be harsh to us. I just... I just think it's normal for Christians to know the Ten Commandments. And so, you know, maybe some of you are just brand new Christ followers. And if you're just brand new at this thing, free pass until January 1st, which is about 10 weeks away. 
So what if we just did this? Your children need to know them. If you don't know them, I'm sort of guessing that maybe if you don't know them, then your children probably don't know them. And if your children don't know them, how are they going to make a difference in this world? How are they going to live out God's righteousness in this world? And when the world says, hey, there's no moral standard, there are no absolutes, how are they ever going to say, yes, there is, I learned it from my parents? And so I just want to encourage you in the next, in the next 10 weeks, about, about now through January 1st, what if you just took a commandment a week and around your table in the evening, you just said, we're going to memorize them one week at a time, one commandment at a time. I mean, I already gave you, I already gave you commandment number six, four words, you shall not murder. Now you only need to know nine. You just got to get that one in the right order somewhere. What if you just learned them? Right? Well, what difference would that make in our lives? What difference would that make for our children? And we're going to teach them to honor their father and mother, and they're going to say, why should I do that? And you're going to say, it's in the Ten Commandments. They're going to say, how do you know? I think that ought to shape us. Ten Commandments. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. What does that mean? It means he longs for your affections. And it goes on. Now, when you come to the one that we're talking about, Commandment number five, honor your father and mother. What you're coming to is a transitional commandment in this series of 10. See, the first four are about honoring God. The last six are about honoring others. And commandment number five is the transition from one to the other. You learn to honor God in law number one, commandment number one, but you learn to honor your parents and then everybody else through commandment number five and then the other ones that go beyond that. Let me just see if I can break this commandment down for you. Honor your father and mother. Now, the father and mother part's not too hard to figure out. Do we all know what fathers and mothers are? Yeah, it's not, it's not that hard, you know. I gave you life. I like how Cosby, you know, Bill Cosby said, I gave you life. I can, I can take you out, you know. I can take it away, right? But that's, well, who's a father? He's someone who gives, gives life to a child. Who's a mother? Someone who gives life to a child. By God's grace, by God's power, I get that. But it comes through fathers and mothers. So if you've been responsible for giving life in this world to another human being, that's father and mother. Now, some of you have adopted children into your family. God bless you. How amazing is that? And you are a father or mother. My wife and I, this last week, became foster parents. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a new and different world for us. We suddenly have a five-year-old daughter in our house. And uh, I'm, we're just trying to figure out how to be obedient to Christ and be faithful to him and, you know, do what he's calling us to do. And so that's kind of what our journey is. And all of a sudden, I'm a daddy again in a sort of way, you know. It's like, what is that about? And I've got to figure out how do I help this young lady figure out who Jesus is and, and what does he call us for and stuff like that. Father and mother is not that hard to figure out. But the other word, the other key word in the commandment is not quite so clear. It's the word honor. Honor. We do not live in an honoring culture. I mean, we have Marine Corps, the Marine Corps, and they, sort, they live out honor. 
in certain ways. But as a culture, we don't live out honor. We don't practice that. What does that word mean? Well, in the Hebrew language, the word honor comes from the word kabed. It's a word that means glory. So when we sing glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever, we're singing, I want to praise you. I want to worship you. I want to exalt you. I want to give you glory. That's what it sort of means in English. But the Hebrew word kabed is a word that means heavy, means weighty. It means here's a person whose whose influence in your life matters a lot. Weighty, that's glory. Someone who has someone who has glory <clears throat> has weight. Not like not like Pablo Sandoval. So I know some of you guys are Giants fans. Like, uh, uh, thank you for being here, you Giants fans. Yeah, I know. So you're waving your colors. That's like, that's good. So anyway, so not that kind of weight. You know, it's not good for a child who's trying to honor his father to say, "Gee, Dad, you're heavy." It's probably not the way to go. Right? It's not talking about being obese. It's talking about having significance in our lives. In Hebrew, the opposite of kabed is kalel. Kalel is a word that is usually translated curse. But literally it means to treat someone lightly or to make light of them. So honor means to treat another person uh, with with weight, as if they were weighty, as if they were significant, as if they were precious to you. And to dishonor a person is to treat someone like they're a lightweight, like their opinion doesn't really matter. And we make light of them. It's a curse in Hebrew. Now, Moses says, <clears throat> as God gives him this directive, he says, I want you to teach your children to honor their father and mother. I want you to honor your father and mother. I want you to treat your father and your mother as if they were weighty in your life. As if they have significant influence in your life. Now, why is that so important? Why is commandment number five that important? Moses says, in fact, Paul, the apostle Paul tells us this in the book of Ephesians. He says, this is the first commandment out of the 10 that comes with a promise. So here's what the, here's what the command said. Moses says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long and prosper. Sort of like, it's sort of like Star Trek. It's sort of like Vulcanology parent, Parenting 101. Yeah, live long and prosper, right? You've ever heard of Mr. Spock? You ever heard of Dr. Spock, the parenting guru? There it is. Okay, sorry, just making that up. He says, I want you, here's what he says. I want you to honor your father and mother as, as, you, as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I want you to honor your father and mother. Why? Because there are benefits everywhere in the world if we live in a culture whose children honor their parents. So example, for example, when a child learns to honor his father and mother, it shapes a society for righteousness and justice. When a child learns to honor his father and mother, it shapes a society for righteousness and justice. See, what it tells a child, when they have to learn to honor their father and mother, what it tells them right off the bat is there's another life in this world or there are other lives in this world that matter as much as their own. 
If we don't teach them to honor their father and mother, they will never get that. What happens to a child who never gets the idea that there are other lives that matter as much as their own? They become sociopaths. They end up in prison. They have to learn this. I mean, I mean, the problem, problem with two-year-olds, they have a very limited perspective on the world, don't they? Two-year-olds, a lot of two-year-olds only know two words. Mine and no. And then they put them together in a sentence. No, that's mine. What are they saying? This is my world. And if you come into my world, you break into my world, I'm not going to like that. This is my world. I'm the king in it or I'm the queen in it. I'm in charge here. And when children go through the process of learning to honor their father and mother, they begin to learn that there's someone out there who is as valued in this world as they are. It's called a dad. It's called a mom. And when they learn that, it kind of transfers over to brother or sister or neighbor or somebody. See, when a child learns to honor their father and mother, it shapes our society for righteousness and justice. Once you learn... This is, why this, this is why this commandment's transitional in the Ten Commandments. Once you learn to honor your father and mother, it's not too hard to learn you shall not murder. Why would you not murder? Because that life matters also as much as yours does. And when you figure out that you should honor your father and mother so you shouldn't murder because that life is valuable, then the next thing you find out is you also should not <clears throat> mess up marriages. You shall not commit adultery. Why not? Because that marriage is valuable. It matters because it's a marriage of two people who also matter. When you figure out that you shouldn't mess up marriages, you go to the next commandment, you shall not steal. And what you're finding out is somebody whose life matters did some work to buy some stuff. And if you steal it, you're not valuing that work from that person whose life matters. And then... You go to commandment number nine, which says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not lie about your neighbor. Why not? Because that neighbor's life is valuable, and that neighbor has invested in his own or her own reputation. And when you lie about them, you destroy their reputation. But their life matters. And then you come to commandment number 10 that says, don't covet. And now God cycled back to your own soul, and he said, don't even let your soul be poisoned by envy and covetousness. Now it comes back to me. See, when you teach your children, when we teach our children, and when we learn ourselves to honor our father and mother, it shapes our society for righteousness and justice. And what is a culture like where children have not learned to honor their father and mother? We're living in it. And if Christians don't learn to change it, it will not change because nobody else is singing this song today. When a child learns to honor his father and mother, it also shapes his family for life and peace. There is some strategic clarity that comes in a family whose children learn to honor their father and mother. For a parent, when I go, okay, one of my strategies for raising my children is I got to teach them to honor their father and mother. So as a dad, I've got to teach my children, you, you must honor your mother. Nothing else is acceptable. You must honor your mother. When my, when my wife talk, 
to our children. She would be sure to teach them, you must honor your father. Now, of course, that means that we as Christ followers need to do everything we can to live honorable lives. Because it's a whole lot easier for my children to honor me if I live an honorable life. If I'm living this terrible disaster of a life and I'm saying to my kids, honor your father. They might, in obedience to Christ, they might try hard. It sure doesn't help me if I mess them up because I don't live an honorable life. It makes clear my life course. It makes clear my teaching of my children and their life course. Gives me a strategy. Shapes my family for life and for peace. And then, of course, when a child learns to honor his father and mother, it shapes the child. Which maybe we'd say, well, that's the most important. That's, that's where it begins, right? It shapes a child. See, a child that has learned to honor his father and mother, and a child whose father and mother made that easier for them by living an honorable life, that child gains way more security than a child that doesn't have that gift. A child that's not taught to honor their father and mother, that's not taught that there's someone outside of them that's more important than they are, that child's not very secure. Because the child thinks, I'm in charge of the universe, and they know they're not very good at it. Children desperately want to know that there's some boundary, there's some person out there who's bigger than them that says, I know how this works. And your children fake it all the time. They, they fake it like, yeah, I want to be in charge. But they don't. They're wise enough to know they don't know how to do it. They're not going to admit that to you because they're three. Or they're 13. Or they're 23. Or 53. We don't want to acknowledge that. But when we honor our father and mother, it gives us a place of security in this world. Even when our parents don't do it all right. Which is a good thing because... None of us do. And when a child learns to honor his or her father or, and mother, it prepares them to honor God. Hardest people in my life, the hardest people that I've had to talk to and try and convince them to love God, the father are those who have had a disastrous relationship with their own father. When they look at their dad and they go, my dad was horrible. And I say, oh, but God is our father. The image that comes into their head is of their own dad. The best thing we do to help our children grow up to be honorers of God is to teach them to honor their father and mother and to live an honorable life so that we make that easy for them, easier for them. All right, so that's the stuff. That's the story. Now, how do you practice it? Because it's one thing for me to stand up here and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Honor your father and mother. You do it. Teach it to your children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but how do you do that? Let's just talk for a minute before we wrap this up. Let's just talk for a minute about how we practice honoring our fathers and mothers. And we're going we're gonna to help everybody. But let me just get this process started for you by showing you some children from Lakeside and how they believe they should honor their father and mother. How do you honor your father and mother? Um...
Be respectful. Be good. By doing what they ask you to do. I'm not supposed to punch or scratch. Not pushing them into the pool. <laughs> I give my mom flowers. Not to draw on the walls. Hug them. Give them hugs. Do the laundry and wash the dishes. And a couple of other stuff too. Make funny faces. Singing to them. Don't talk when they're talking to someone else. Don't prepare the table. <laughs> By giving them dessert. Be respectful and kind and generous. Mm, just be nice. I forgot. All right, sometimes we forget, but that kind of gets you started. Now, let me just give you some categories because we're in a lot of different categories here at Lakeside, right? So let me just give you some things to think about. How do we practice honoring our father and mother? Number one, what if you're the parent of young children? You got young children in the house. You got some young children in Kids Fest today. So if you're the parent of young children, how do you help them to honor their father and mother? Here's one thing. There's a lot of things, but here's one thing. Discipline out defiance. Defiance is the opposite of honor. And the amazing thing about defiance is it's about one of the easiest things to see. You can't hide defiance. And so when your child decides to defy you and go, no, I will not, discipline that out. James Dobson says it this way in his book, Dare to Discipline. He says, I'm recommending a simple principle. When you are defiantly challenged, win decisively. When the child asks, who's in charge? Tell him. When he mutters, who loves me? Take him in your arms and surround him with affection. Treat him with respect and dignity and expect the same from him. Then begin to enjoy the sweet benefits of competent parenthood. Discipline defiance out. My children's lives, the one thing that I just, I found out, here's an easy marker to recognize. It's when they're defiant of me. And I don't want to do it in anger. I don't want to do it because I'm a big shot. I want to do it because I want them to learn to honor their father and mother and all the implications that go with that. What about if you're a parent of a teenager or of several teenagers, perhaps? How do you, how do you teach them to honor their father and mother? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> sorry. How about this? How about with teenagers? How about you honor them? You honor them with maybe by this. Maybe you let them make decisions. Maybe let them make adult decisions. You go, no, 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 they would mess it up. Let me give you a help. If they're, if they're going to mess it up, they're going to mess it up. And it's better for them to mess it up when they're 13 years old living in your house than it is to be 23-year-olds uh, living out some, in some of their town going to college. It's better. See, the problem is we misunderstand the word adolescent. We go, oh, adolescent means you're not an adult yet. You're still a child. But the word adolescent means becoming an adult. It means in the process of becoming an adult. What would happen if we encouraged our children to become adults? If we encouraged them to make wise decisions. If we gave them the opportunity to actually do it and fail. What would happen? 
We are so reluctant to set our children free as adults. And God wired them to be adults. Boys especially, we've got to give them freedom to make mistakes and make decisions and live with them. And you're like, no, 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 I want to protect them. That's why we have 43-year-old men living at home. Because nobody ever let them when they were 13 and 14 and 15 make decisions that were adult decisions. And we don't honor them. No wonder they don't honor us. The whole process of, of parents and teenagers having this struggle with each other is that there's this process of adulthood going on. And they want to hurry it up and you want to slow it down. What if you surprised him and you speeded it up? Like, no, 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 mom, I'm not ready. There you are, get out there, let's get going. You know, they'd be shocked. And then maybe they would actually honor you because you honored them enough to treat them like they were a blossoming adult. What if you're the parent of adult children? This is the stage of life that I'm in. How do you teach them to honor their parents? How do you walk that process through with adult children? How about, how about ask them for advice? Like, no. Do you, I can imagine what they would say. I know. I know you can imagine what they would say. But, you know, you want them to ask you for advice? I mean, you're hoping your 25-year-old will call up someday and say, Dad, I just don't know what to do. And I'm wondering if you can help. Like, yeah, that'll never happen. Well, maybe it's because you never call them and ask them for advice. Maybe part of that asking for advice from you to them is you honoring them. And so they, they learn to turn that back around. At the, in their 20s, maybe it's not too late for them to learn to honor their father and mother. But maybe it comes from you first, where you honor them first. And you ask them for advice. That's an easy one. It's hard to humble ourselves to do it, but it's like there's all kinds of things you could ask advice for. You don't have to take their advice. I mean, don't go into it going, I'm going to ask, but I'm not, I don't, you know, got my fingers crossed. He's like, no, but maybe they won't give you advice that's workable for you. Okay, but you ask them. That's an honor to them. They're not going to take all your advice either. But it should be nice if they asked. Yeah, because that's an honoring relationship. What if you're the adult child of older parents. See, the deal with honoring your father and mother, it's not just something you teach your children. It's something you model for them. If you never model for them honoring your father and mother, they will never get it from you no matter how much you teach them. What if you're an adult child of older parents? Again, lots of ways to do this, but here's a couple. Listen to them. They would love to have you listen to them. They would love to have you ask them questions about their life. I'm trying to make it a habit with my mom to ask her questions about, you know, earlier parts of her life. She loves telling those stories, and she loves it when I ask. And then listen. Be patient with them. I, I notice, I watch this in my mom. Again, this is the stage that I'm at in this, but... Um, life is going faster and faster and faster, and... My mom is slowing down, doesn't, doesn't decide things as fast as she once did. She's had a stroke or two, and, you know, not everything's connecting as well as it used to. And so some things are just slower activities. And I get in such a hurry. I get so impatient. But it's an honor to my mom when I wait 
My wife is brilliant with this. We bring my mom up now. She lives in Southern California, but we try and bring her up uh, for two weeks every quarter. So four times a year, bring her up and uh, just let her be with us and let us have her with us. And my mom has this thing where she gets out of the car and, uh, like in the garage, she gets out of the car and then she stands there in the door, in the doorway of the car. I'm like, Mom, I can't shut that door till you get out of there, you know. And I want to, hurry up, hurry up, move it. No. And I watch my wife do this with my mother, how she honors my mother. And she'll just gently take my mom and say, come on, let's move away from the door. And then we'll close the door and then we'll go inside. And she's just patient with her. That's honor. What if you're the, what if you're the adult child of a bad parent? One of the challenges of a talk like this is you sit there the whole time going, yeah, yeah, but you don't know my dad. You don't know my mom. You don't know, you don't know the abuse. You don't know the abandonment. You don't know the issues that I have with my parent. And I would say to you, you're right, I don't. My parents weren't perfect, but they weren't abusers, and they didn't abandon us. So I don't get that. I don't know about that. How do you, but how do you, how do you honor them? You go, they're not worthy of honor. I know. So that's very possible. But God doesn't give the commandment and say, honor your father and mother as long as they're honorable. That's not a command that God needs to make. So when he gives us a command, honor your father and mother, it relates to everybody. And now we have some people among us who, you know, your dad left you when you were six months old. You never saw him again. Or maybe worse, I'm not sure, maybe he beat you until you were 10, then he left. I don't, I don't know. And I'm not... Standing up here, you know, saying, hey, I get this. I know how this all works, and I've got it all dialed in. I don't. But I wonder if there's some way, even for a, a father or a mother like that, to be able to make some kind of a statement, even if it's internally, even if you write it down on a piece of paper and don't do anything with it, if you just were able to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, Dad, so I honor you. I'm a follower of Jesus, Mom, so I honor you. I don't know how that works, but I know when we practice honoring our father and mother, it changes us more than it changes them. And from Christ's perspective, that's worth it. Father in heaven, I pray for us. Lord, I am grateful to you that you love us. I'm grateful that you have given us such great honor ourselves, and we, none of us deserved it. You honored us enough to send Jesus to be our Savior. That's an honor. That's a gift. So thank you. Lord, I pray for my friends. We are in so many different stages, and we've got so many different things going on. How do we live this out? Would you give us the grace to find a way with our children, whatever stage they are, to practice honor and to teach honor. And with our parents, whether they're still with us or not even with us anymore, is it possible for us to live out honor toward our parents? And Lord, I believe that if you would do this through us, it would shape us. And I believe it would shape our families. I believe it would shape our children. And I believe it would shape the world. And I believe that matters to you a lot. Lord, lead us in these things for Christ's sake. Amen.